What's up? Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gray. And I wanted to start today's episode by saying thank you. This is your first episode or your last episode. I appreciate your support. Or if this is your 52nd episode, you've listened to them all. I truly appreciate your time and for tuning in and all the feedback that I've received over this journey so far. Crazy how quick a year can fly by. But I guess when you're trapped inside for nine months, everything kind of blends together. With that being said, year one was a blast. I'm looking forward to year two and continuing to be bigger and better, bring on more guests, more research, and have more fun. So thanks for listening, and I hope that you enjoy many more episodes or you go back in the catalog and check those out. Now, today's episode, I decided to have a little fun. We're going to dive into the history of leaning, which some of you may have just heard about or some have may have been familiar with for the past decade. With Jimmy Butler's recent signing, thought it'd be a fun thing to dive into. So before we jump into the main part of today's episode, just a reminder, Keeping Stock is uploaded every Sunday on your favorite podcast platforms in typically 20 to 30 minute episodes. So if you enjoy the episode, make sure to leave a rating, follow on your favorite platform, and let's get into it. Leaning, what is it? Where did it come from? And how is it securing talent in the NBA? To be honest, it's a long story and a little bit more peculiar than you would think, considering the roots of Lee Ning. You may be familiar with Lee Ning because of Dwayne Wade, or maybe you just heard about them through Jimmy Butler, or maybe you heard through some of their earlier signees, which we'll get into later. But it's important to start at the very beginning. Lee Ning as we know as a sportswear and a basketball company primarily, was actually founded by the Prince of Gymnastics, that being Li Ning himself. Dubbed the Prince of Gymnastics after entering multiple gymnastics tournaments starting at the age of eight, and then going on to the 1984 Olympics and winning six medals. He won three golds, two silvers, and one bronze, becoming the most decorated at for the People's Republic of China at that time. It was also the People's Republic of China's first Olympics since the late 1940s. And so when I found this out, it was odd to see that transition from it being led by the Prince of Gymnastics, one of the best gymnasts of all the time who eventually gets inducted to the Gymnast Hall of Fame, start a company in 1990, six years after that 1984 Olympics, he participated in 1988, but was injured and made some mistakes and didn't have quite the same outing as 1984. So he transitioned to starting his own company named after himself. I mean, it sounds familiar, right? Li Ning, sportswear company named after himself, being one of the greatest gymnasts for China of all time. It's not a stretch to say Jordan Brent, named after Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Five years after Jordan Brand has come up and has started to brand itself, Li Ning sees the opportunity, creates the brand after himself, and gets the ball rolling. Then, by 2006, Li Ning has amassed over $418 million in revenue and roughly $40 million in gross profit. So, they're growing substantially, they're doing well. It's been about 16 years at this point in time just slowly getting their feet wet. And primarily what they were doing was raising their own profile and their image 
through sponsorships and collaborations. They secured collaborations with the NBA, but also the Association of Tennis Professionals, the Chinese University Basketball Association, and the Chinese Football Association, as in American football, not as in soccer. So they're attached and collabing with a lot of these leagues, showing their logo, being in a different variety of athletes, because if we're being honest, there's no way leaning would be nearly as big as it was if it was strictly a gymnast company, focusing in gymnastics. It wouldn't be known around the globe, maybe known very well in the gymnastic community, but not to what we see it as today. And really when leaning starts making noise is when they sign Shaq. Sign Shaq in 2006 with a five-year deal worth roughly one and a quarter million dollars. Shaq is on the heat at the time. We're going right into where the NBA starts making serious money. I mean, it's 2006. It's right before the Great Recession. And where Shaq hears about leaning is from his teammate. The very first leaning signing, Damon Jones. Damon Jones took a huge step off the traditional path to sign with leaning. Saw it as an opportunity to get paid, have your own shoe, be a priority, and leave your mark on a brand potentially. Because if you look at a lot of the people who are drafted, yeah, you can go with Nike, Adidas, Under Armour's Rising at the time, and you can be there, but you may not be the number one priority. This brand new brand who has the resources to invest in you and what you want may be what's best. And Damon Jones decided to try that out later in his career, helps influence Shaq. And now Shaq is with leaning for five years. Shaq being the walking billboard that he is, people start to understand leaning. Other players can see that if Shaq gave it the thumbs up, the certification, then I can go that route as well. I mean, Shaq is a bona fide Hall of Famer, one of the greatest of all time. It's not like he's just another draft pick or a veteran in the league. He's the top dog. And if Shaq can play in it at his size and the shoes are lasting, why not give it a shot? So then in 2010, we see them sign Baron Davis. And this is what I personally found out about leaning. It's with the Baron Davis signing, not for anything really positive. I just remember walking into a champs in late 2011 and the Baron Davis BD Dooms were $20. Bought two pairs. They came with the famous Baron Davis bobblehead and it was a deal. That to say, the shoes were extremely heavy, very bulky, not suited for my style of play. And the reason I think they fell to deep discount is leaning wasn't necessarily marketing this shoe. It was relying on Baron Davis's presence and his following to market the shoe for them. So you see successless Shaq, and then you try the same with Baron Davis, and it doesn't necessarily click in all markets throughout the United States in the basketball scene. They've also signed Jose Calderon in 2010, and they gave him his own signature shoe, the Yu Shui, which we'll see later on. So now they have kind of a budding roster, solidified players in their roles and their careers, but they also try to go after a rookie. And in 2010, the rookie they go after is Evan Turner, right? The number two pick 
it's always worth a gamble. And they sign Evan Turner, who is still leaning to this day. Did it pay off like they'd hoped to? Probably not. However, I think he did have the same effect Damon Jones did and help influence different other players, help build their roster, build their credibility within the NBA to allure other NBA players to potentially sign with them and take meetings. Shortly after is when leaning makes its big splash. It's 2012 and the sneaker world gets shaken up a little bit. A well-known guard out of Miami has gone from Converse to Jordan brand, which a lot consider to be the Mecca. He gets his own signature with Jordan brand. But then Dwayne Wade leaves Jordan brand for Li Ning in 2012. He leaves for an estimated $60 million, which he says, maybe it's time to make my own imprint on the game. Maybe it's time to start my own line. Once again, he was teammates with Damon Jones, saw what Shaq did, has been familiar with leaning. I'm sure they're whispering in his ear as his career goes on, and finally decides, I'm going to get paid. And maybe I don't like being under Jordan Brand's shadow or under Jordan's shadow or the priority they're giving me. Let me get my own creative control on what I wanted to do. And then we can see that build. So from 2012 to 2018, when Dwayne Wade signs a lifetime deal with leaning, joining Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Cristiano Ronaldo as the only players to have lifetime deals. Dwayne Wade joins them with leaning and has his own sub-brand of leaning that we're familiar with, Way of Wade. Now he's in control of his own product, how it looks, what he wants to do with it, who he wants to sign, how he wants to market it. This full scope of control that he most likely would not have gotten being under Nike or Jordan brand at that time. Now we get to see Dwayne Wade has retired and the current front runner prior to this recent signing, I would say was CJ McCollum. There wasn't a huge superstar roster for Li Ning. The most consistent had to have been CJ McCollum. Very smooth, well-rounded dog of a player. He's going to get it done. He's going to be crafty. He's going to have highlights. He may not have the same star power at this point in his career as others, or maybe leaning as being outshadowed by Adidas in this Portland market, but he was the front runner. They signed him to his own deal in 2017 after leaving Nike, and from there, Leaning is still looking to actively build its roster. And this is where Dwayne Wade comes in to help. Dwayne Wade then picks a new signee. Previously from Nike, Dwayne Wade picks D'Angelo Russell to be the new signature athlete, the first signature athlete for Leaning in the Way of Way brand. This is a pivot from strictly performance to overall following mixed with performance and lifestyle because Dwayne Wade is building more than just a basketball brand with his subdivision. He's working in fashion and apparel. He ran a fashion show with Leaning, created the whole collection, and even had Jackie Chan on the runway modeling the collection for him. So he's doing a variety of things to pick these players. So now we have D'Angelo Russell. Leaning has CJ McCollum. In addition, Leaning also has new rookie. RJ Hampton, who was drafted by the Bucks, traded to the Nuggets, 
who was playing professionally overseas in Australia with Lamelo. You have Frank Mason III, who was previously with the Kings, is now with the Bucks. They have just signed Fred Van Fleet, who was with and one, now with leaning for a five-year deal, a rising star in that Toronto market, and one of the figureheads on the team. They have Udonis Haslam and Clay Anthony Early, who played in the G League, maybe was on the Knicks for a moment, and is now in France. And so they're trying to actively build this roster with what they have. It's interesting to see that a lot of these players, Shaq, Damon Jones, Dwayne Wayne, and Udonis Haslam, all have played for the Heat. And it may be Damon Jones does not get enough credit for how he's helped leaning get to where it is. Because maybe leaning went somewhere else and they don't have that impact. It doesn't sign Shaq. It's the universe working its very odd and peculiar timing to influence the likes of Hall of Famer Shaq, Hall of Famer Dwayne Wade, respected veteran Udonis Haslam, and now Jimmy Butler. And it's curious to see the links between Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. They both go to Marquette. Jimmy Butler originally signs with Adidas as Dwayne Wade signs with Converse. From that first rookie deal, they transition to Jordan Brand, don't feel they're getting the proper attention at Jordan Brand, and then go to Lee Ning. They both played in their careers for Chicago and Miami, and now they've both transitioned from Jordan Brand to Lee Ning. And it's hard not to say the influence that Dwayne Wade has had on Jimmy Butler and the relationships that they've created together as competitors, as friends, as businessmen, shout out to Big Face Coffee, to get to where it is. I'm 100% sure Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler had talked about what's happening at Leaning or Way of Wade, the creative freedom, what goes into the process of a maturing performance footwear company, and potentially the money that they're getting paid, along with this humongous Chinese market where Leaning is one of the top dogs I mean, they are competing with Anta and Peak and 361 Degrees, but those other companies are still trying to ride their way up as Li Ning is certified for now almost 30 years in that Chinese market. Not to mention, Li Ning has a few other players, badminton players, but I found that funny as they have a very prominent NBA roster, and then they have tennis and badminton that I had never heard of these players. I'm sure you can't name one badminton player that's currently playing professionally, but it shows you that they're willing to try these different areas, and it's been successful enough in that Chinese market that if you're an American or an NBA player, and you've only looked at the American market, and then you look overseas to what China has to offer, and being the face of the brand, the potential seems almost endless compared to what Nike or Adidas or Under Armour or Jordan brand is going to give you as a normal player on the roster. So we'll see what happens with Jimmy Butler and leaning. It's supposedly a multi-year deal. I'm sure there's large money involved. They say they're going to give him his own signature shoe. I don't know if that means his own wave way type signature line or Baron Davis, or they're going to say signature shoe and do the Yu Shui, like they've done with Jose Calderon, CJ McCollum, and what appears to be with Fred Van Vliet. But 
We'll see how it goes. I think, as always, it's great for the performance footwear market. It's going to give you as a consumer many more options to pick out a shoe that's best for you at a variety of price ranges, different materials, different build types, structures, technology, overall creating a better consumer experience to find what's best for you. The most interesting thing is that Lee Ning's products, from what I could find from their direct website, are sold on Amazon, which I'm going to have to try in the future to see what that process is like. There's some great way of wades on there, which I hopefully can scoop in the near future, 2021, depending on how my budget lines up. But I'm very interested to see how leaning heats things up with someone as loud as Jimmy Butler and this lifetime deal with Dwayne Wade. What are your guys' thoughts on leaning in the Chinese competitive footwear scene? Do you own any pairs? Do you think it's a good idea for Jimmy Butler? Or would you like to see him go somewhere else? Go ahead and let me know on social, Instagram, or Twitter. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back to some cool content and upcoming releases. If you like what you've heard so far, make sure to follow us on social media, Instagram at keeping stock and Twitter at keeping underscore stock. Further, social media is always found in the show notes and other cool things that are going on with the Keeping Stock podcast. But the best place to find that is going to be following us on Instagram and Twitter. Without further ado, let's get back to the show. So for cool content, it appears the Nike versus Warren Lotus lawsuit has come to a close. Are you surprised by who won? No, Nike won, of course. I think it sets a precedent for Nike to stop these types of fakes at mass quantities from happening and potentially harming or damaging some of their respected silhouettes or colorways. Not to say that's necessarily a net positive, but I think it allows them to crack down further on unauthorized or replica or fake pairs being made overseas. Sometimes you have to be the sacrifice, and that's what happens to look like Warren Lotus, who, I mean, directly basically knocked off the dunk. You can say the Reaper swoosh is a little different, but the similarities are uncanny. So we'll see what happens with Warren Lotus moving forward. Nike and the lawsuit say he cannot produce or send out any of the pairs that he has had customers pre-ordered or offered in replacement of the original canceled dunks. So we'll see where that goes. Currently, it's the three-year anniversary of the original The 10 collection from Virgil Abloh and Off-White and Nike. And the game has changed substantially from three years ago. And I think it's because of The 10. That brought a whole new variety of entrants into the market. Whether you are already a veteran sneakerhead or maybe that's when you first got money and you wanted to try for those or maybe you just tried for those because you saw the resale prices and stuck around it's changed the volume it's changed the way they handle hype releases it's changed the hype on social media it changed the resale platforms so many things were pivoted from the mass attention that that collection got that i think there's obvious positives pros and there's obvious cons the way things happened after that but it's wild to think that was only three years ago. In other news, the NBA draft occurred. It's interesting because it doesn't seem like the buzz for this NBA draft was nearly the same as last year. And I think that's because one, Zion's buzz 
was larger than ever, right? The next LeBron, his college season and his rookie season in the NBA outshadowed everything that was happening in college last year. Then college gets shut down early. So a lot of these players we've forgotten about or haven't heard about, and we'll see how that transitions into the next season. As a Thunder fan, I have to vent real quick. I thought we had Kelly Oubre. I thought it was going to be great. We sent him off to the Golden State Warriors. And I think the Oklahoma City Thunder should now directly change their name for the next few years to the Oklahoma City Draft Picks. It seems like that's what we're doing. Just trading it away for draft picks and hoping that we can keep that foundation once those picks come in. Because right now I think they're sitting in 7th or 8th grade math class. And I hope down the line once we get these picks, we don't do what OKC traditionally does. is say, wow, these players are great young players. And maybe right before their peak... We send them to Houston. We can't sign them and they go to Golden State. We let them go to Toronto. Or we ship them away right before their breakout season. We'll see how it goes. But I'm excited as a Thunder fan. The future is promising. I hope your NBA draft picks turned out well. The one I'm really excited for is Peyton Pritchard in Boston. Played against him very often through the circuit of AAU in high school basketball. Great player, and I think he's going to make some uh, surprises for that Boston group over the next few years. Now, with that being said, let's hop in upcoming releases for November 22nd through November 28th, which is Black Friday and Black Saturday. So we get the Kobe 5 Pro Tro Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee alternate. I'm going to try for these Hopefully they're all my last pickup of the year. They're both going to be $180. The demand is going to be through the roof. Hopefully the supply is there. You can go check out Mike Sykes and I. Mike Sykes and I's last episode talking about the fumble of the Kobe release. And hopefully they do good here as this is a holiday release. Pump up the numbers. Make in their revenue. Make it a little bit easier for us to grab. Those come out on the 24th. You get the Nike Adapt Automax Triple Black also on the 24th followed by the Air Jordan 6 Woman Singles Day on November 25th for $210, primarily an all-black Air Jordan 6 for women with a little bit of detail of roses. On the upper, the 25th, we get the Peace Minus 1 Nike Air Force 1 Paranoise 2.0 for $200. That did an early release. It sold through very fast. I expect these ones to do the same. On the 26th, we get the Nike Air Max 1 Lemonade, for $140. On the 27th, we get the Nike Air Penny 3 Eggplant for $155. Looks like a great outdoor basketball shoe. Maybe to stock up for when you come back from the new normal and can play outside again or your hoops aren't chained up. Those come out on Black Friday, the 27th. We get the Puma Clyde All Pro Kuzma Mid Black White. I don't know who's going to be wearing these. These things are gigantic. They're absolutely huge. This may be your style. These are going to be $150. I don't know if they'll be tough to get. I wouldn't expect it, but you could see some weird hype happening coming for those on Black Friday. We get the Air Jordan 4 OG Fire Red for $200 on the Saturday after Black Friday. We get the Reebok Questions Mid Yellow Toe, the ones we saw Kobe wear, the Kobe colorway which he wore in, I believe, 2002 to 2003 for $150. Then we have the Air Yeezy Boost 380 in Onyx on the 28th. Not a 380 fan. Those are going to be 230 
not for me, but if you like those, go after them. I'd probably say my pick of the week is going to be the Kobe 5 Pro Tros, followed by the Air Jordan 4 OG and Fire Red. Let me know what you guys are picking up this week. Let me know what you thought of your NBA draft selections, or if Jimmy Butler made the right decision with Lee Ning. As I said at the top of the episode, I really appreciate you guys for listening to 52 episodes this year. Didn't think I was going to make it all the way through, but I did. I have had some great fun so far with this upcoming holiday and the one-year anniversary. I'm going to take my first break of the podcast. I will be back in two weeks, so that'll put us with a new episode on December 6th. I look to bring some new and fun ideas to season two of the Keeping Stock Sneaker podcast. So if you enjoy this episode, I'd appreciate it if you guys shared it with your friends or other sneakerheads or in your sneaker groups, left a rating, followed on your favorite platform. Have a happy Thanksgiving or a happy holiday or just the days off from work. Have a safe Black Friday. Best of luck on all those upcoming releases. Take care and I'll see you guys in a couple weeks.